reality yeah. is, you know, there is nobody's got the silver bullet uh, tucked away. It's it's um, it's it's not as easy as that. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. A timely episode as we jump back in to the OptiWay series. Talking with Bill Hoffman today on the episode. We'll be talking about his own beef enterprise, beef producers that he works with, with his own consulting, how ag tech came up in conversation for them as producers, but also for his home block as well and navigating that through not being actually on your home block and how ag tech and OptiWay can actually work in with you, whether you're adjusting, you're leasing or your block is actually not your primary residence, it can really work in with how you do. And I just loved Bill's approach into this episode. So we'll round it up there and get into it. Welcome to the Farms Advice Podcast. Great to have you here on the OptiWay series as we round this off um, and get into a bit of your experience. But Bill, welcome to the, the podcast. First podcast for you. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is very much the first one. A bit nervous. No, I'm sure you do well. And your experience up around the New England area will no doubt sort of teach people the approach and especially the approach into new ideas, innovations and ag tech such as OptiWay and how that's actually helping your enterprise out, but also in your consulting business. But before we start off, tell us a little bit about your connection to agriculture. What's your background? Yeah, look, I was I go um I was raised uh, on a very small North Coast dairy farm as part of a large family. So my connection with livestock, I guess, was milking dairy cows before and after school. Um, and when I finally left that dairy farm, I was more than happy to uh, take on board that milk came out of a bottle, um, and have stuck with that since. But I um so and I and I've fortunate I've been fortunate to have a career um covering a lot of years, uh, all involved uh, all involved in agriculture but particularly uh, the beef cattle industry, yes. Yeah, and you've always sort of remained in there, starting off from dairy. And where has that landed you today, Bill? What do you get up to in your day to fill your day? You've got your consulting, but you've also got your own sort of enterprise. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I just, I'll just recap for just a moment there. Uh, as as you said, I've got um, two businesses that I operate at the moment, but I did. I was also very fortunate and um, I have a long career with the New South Wales DPI. Um, most of that in the beef cattle section, uh, and that was um, when when the, it was operated very differently to what it is today. But uh, it was always at, the, at as we call it at the coal front. Yeah. Um, so I was always working with with livestock producers, um, which uh, I guess I, I've um, never not done. And uh, and but I left the DPI thirteen years ago with the. Um, thinking that I had a few years left in me and that I would rather do a little bit of um, under-the-radar um, consulting. Um, and um, I, I developed a model for that little consulting business based on some work I did um, on secondment from New South Wales DPI to the Beef Cooperative Research Centre and MLA 
uh, in those many years of um, of that employment. Yep. Uh, and it was looking at, I guess, uh, working with people in a in a in a small in small groups where um, you know we look to share knowledge and experience, not to deliver lectures or yeah. whatnot, but just to share experiences and to learn, or provide an opportunity for people to learn from each other. And I know that sounds a bit sort of, you know, whatever, I don't know, but um, I was passionate about it. Um, I spent my life, I guess, as a communicator. Yeah. So what do I do in, when uh, my day, my day, I guess, I focus on thinking and uh, about how, we, uh, we, and I mean that's myself and my client base um, spread across six groups through the New England and the Northwest and the Hapa Hunter area. How we, um, how we, how we help each other um, to be more productive and more productivity and more sustainable in our in our businesses. Yeah, I think it goes a long way. And what the podcast is trying to shape up is that farmer to farmer learning and what we can do and bouncing ideas back and not being just one-sided lectured to um, for that. What sort of questions have you come up with or those within your community? What sort of questions are they looking to ask? Are they like trying to get more feed under the foot or what's going on? They're trying to get higher growth rates within their steers or their cattle? I think that it's, it can be encompassed in a fairly simple message. Um, and, and, and that is, you know, I... Um, I would say the single thing that probably it underpins most of the discussions we have somehow or other is about kilograms of beef, you know, as a, as a profit driver. Kilograms of beef per, per hectare, I guess, and also when you move away from the high rainfall zone, which I mostly spend my time in, kilograms of beef per hectare uh, per 100 millimetres of rainfall. And that underpins, you know, a lot of where we go. And there's lots of, I guess, uh, avenues that, contribute to um kilograms of beef per hectare but at the bottom line you know that's the that that I, to me is a really really key um profit driver um and and we tie a lot of our discussion and stuff around that yeah yeah and off the back of that is that closely related to the high rainfall areas and looking to improve their pastures the like is that how they're improving how many kilos of beef they can get per hectare per acre off how does that work yeah yes there is very much there's you know as i said a moment ago the groups are smoke my groups that are spread through the you know the 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 high rainfall uh altitude summer rainfall pattern you know area unique environments like ebor or those places where they can grow highly improved pastures and strive for 800 kilos of beef per hectare but yeah. having said that they, i do work out around the northwest um where people you know, run cattle as part of their businesses on gulatai grass. So it's yeah. it, it varies, and it's um so it's not always, I guess, about the most kilograms of beef. Um, it's the number of kilograms of beef per hectare, given re related then back to the cost of that hectare. Um, so it's it's there's not one size fits all by any means. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. For your clients, just a curious question of mine: Are they more looking to? improve their output um rather than sort of saving on their inputs to get further ahead so that what they can put out there like maximizing how much beef they can get off per hectare over the 12 months or whatever their sort of cycle they're working in is that their sort of thinking um make the most of it and get the most output um by sort of 
utilizing our inputs a bit better? How's that work? Look, it's a challenge. Yes, yeah. and and very much at the moment, uh, and and on and off, everyone would have experienced this over the last few years. It's not, I guess, just about kilograms of beef, but it's about it's also about utilizing pasture and things like that um, and therein lies I guess the challenge um, and, it, and it still amazes me today after all my years of doing my job on farms that some people seem to have a unique ability to, to, to do things in what they make look like a very simple timely manner yeah. and it comes together brilliantly uh, but obviously that's not the case for everybody and I and I accept that there are plenty of other things and post the drought lots of people were very wounded emotionally financially physically mentally everything and i totally accept why they had a lot of those people have sought some breathing space and have sort of looked uh for maybe some other avenues yep. to run their business um into the future so it, it isn't it isn't simple and i wouldn't be telling the producers who listen to your podcast uh, anything there they would know that um, but I guess what we do in these groups is continually try to talk through issues, um, not come up with a consensus of opinion that everybody should follow it, but to uh, to share to share in an open, transparent way. Because the reality yeah. is, yeah, there is nobody's got a silver bullet uh, tucked away. It's it's um, it's it's not as easy as that. Yeah. Although I think some producers think they do have the silver bullet. And I think that transparency, just to open it up and put the finger on the pulse of those producers out there that sort of want to retain that information, I think the industry can move so much quicker. We've got like an industry goal. Farmers, should producers should have their own goals as well. But that industry goal is not going to be met um, if, we ain't, if we're not controlling uh, that transparency in there. Um, that's a pretty good thing. But... You spoke about your consulting, your clients. What's your operation look like, Bill? I look, I run a very simple um, cattle trading business, Jack. It's um, it's time, it's run time poor. Um, I keep it simple because I haven't got the time to, um, and it's based on um, on on flatback cattle. Uh, and I guess uh, for some people who maybe listen to your podcast, they might go, "What are you talking about?" Uh, a flatback beast to us in the northern part of the state here is an animal that's you know, can have up to 50% uh, bosinicus content. Um, I run those, that sort of level of animal. You know, I'm more, I'm more than open. I talk about a bit open and transparency. So I look to run sort of about a thousand of those steers. They're destined, they've got, they're, and I keep it simple. I, I don't try to mix and match and chop and change and look for bargains, but whatever. A, a weaner comes into the system, fits that specification, um, so that I minimise how many cattle are out of spec when I go to sell them by not buying them at the outset. They um, they go through a, a process to get them to a, um, a, a you know a nominal rate of say 450, 460 kilos live weight and go into the southern Queensland um, 100 day grain fed uh, feedlot industry to finish up as G, 100 days GF ciphered beef to go anywhere and domestically or overseas. So it's uh, it's nothing flash. Um, I think simple uh, best, and I keep it simple and and um, and focus on, as I said, high compliance at the other end by not buying cattle that are likely to be out of spec, not chopping and changing. I, so I surround myself with people who add value to my business, not take business, not value away from it. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's what that's how I do it. Absolutely. For your 
trading business, do you try to chase the larger lines or you're not too really worried as long as they're flat back um, and they're probably at similar weights as they go in as you buy Look, them? Again, Jack, my model probably, I don't suggest that my model would would, would uh, be um, you know, a first choice for a lot of people. Yep. So I continually trade. So I'm buying, um, I've got a very, very... Um, tight uh, little group who who assist with, with buying and whatnot because I don't go to the sale yards. I've got time to be bugging, spending time in sale yards. So we buy to a specification and I do buy lots of small lines of cattle, uh, put them together. So I'm continually weaning and breaking in, um, you know, young steers to behave themselves only to sell them 12 months later and then when they've just started to behave themselves and bring back another guy to, 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 to replace him. Um, so Continual small lines, and I um, continually trade. So I'm basically selling selling steers, sell a B double steers, buy a B double steers over the following few weeks. Yep. So it's, a, it's an in out business. So we're trading on the trading out and in, back in on the same market. Yeah, absolutely. And as we spoke about before, I, my thought was that a lot of people getting into trading steers becoming more opportunists um, off the back of drought because they're had to sell their breeders. We even had a nice line of Angus that we like of breeders and it was sad to see them go during the drought. Um, but now we've moved into trading steers every now and then, not as probably as intensive as what you are, Bill. Um, but yeah, it's a different sort of mix once you start talking about different environments as well, put that into the mix. Um, it, it could sort of muddle up your simplified sort of approach as well if we go into droughts and as such, or even the two years of rain we just had? Oh, look, I mean, I'm the first one to admit that uh, I look back on those drought years as years that I really, I I, I don't want to not reflect on them for, for making plans to be better next time, uh, but I made some bad decisions. Um, but I guess I, I told my clients after that that there was no such thing as a wrong decision. It might not, in retrospect, being the best decision, but you can't live in the past and punish yourself. Um, yes, and I, I took I took a, a pounding too. You know, I know what it's like to run out of water. I know all I know all that, and yeah. um, yes, and and I guess um, you know we I, I think. Yeah, there's some lessons. Lessons, I guess, even for, for cattle traders as well as people who run fixed, um, you know, cow herds and stuff like that from that last drought. There was no easy solution to anything. And again, that was one thing, Jack. If I can go back to my beef groups, um, a few we we you know we had we we didn't really have any simple, simple answer about how to manage the drought. And I told them that, but they said, look don't worry, the best thing you can do is have call these meetings as scheduled and we get together and we just have a talk and have a, something to yep. eat and a beer or, and a few beers and talk. Um, so that was um, that was a, that was one very positive benefit that I took away from that that time in that drought year. Yeah, amazing. I think there's always those sort of underlying silver linings um, off the back of a drought or the wetter years as well, what we can learn from. Mm -hmm. For yourself, Bill, and maybe your consulting as well, where does AgTech and OptiWay sit in the mix and how did it all sort of come about? Did you just have that sort of that question or you had the problem of not knowing what your weights were doing as a trading enterprise? What was it? All of that, Jack, I guess to a degree, but to simplify it a bit, um, I knew Bill Mitchell um, 
before OptiWay and um, and I was aware of what he was doing. I was in Rockhampton when they launched the OptiWay a few couple of years ago and Bill won that award, which was which was fantastic. Yep. So I, and I had a couple of clients who asked me about them, and I we 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 collectively sought out some more information and saw how we thought they could um, contribute significantly to the efficiency of running a a steer trading business. Yeah. Uh, and I and I and I put my hand up and say that I probably use you know, a fraction of the um of the capacity of my OptiWay unit, yeah. uh, but the small part I use, um, I can't I can't imagine how I could or go back to doing running running my steer trading business uh, without it. Yeah. And I say that in a simplistic way, Jack, that I my cattle run, you know. Um, in the New England Tablelands, uh, after they've bought in background here on the coast where I live, yep. so they're three, four hours away. Um, so uh, to go away, a paddock of steers, it's a huge business, um, covering a couple of days. By the time the cattle yep. get mustered and whatnot, and then get weighed and drafted and put back in the paddock and brought back in, in again when it's time to sell. I look at my OptiWay unit, and I probably look at about three things. So. You know, um, I look at uh, the growth, the growth, the growth chart line, and I apologise to people listening to who haven't seen one. So a daily growth chart. So the, the most important thing there is it's going up and not going over cliff edge. Yeah. Um, and last year in the wet, in the wet autumn in the New England, um, you didn't need to drive up there to see that the cattle had hit a hit the wall. The, the, the growth chart went went over the edge like a like off a cliff. Um, I look at that. The uh, the next most important thing, and again, people can visualise for a minute that you know it uses the the, the data is collecting on a daily basis to put cattle into um into into groups by weight brackets and stack them up in a hit draws a histogram, and uh, this might sound absolutely you know what, but I look at that, and uh, and I try to run a, a lead group of steers, you know three or four hundred in a lead group. Optiway units in there, and and I find and I get really good, easy um, numbers weighing themselves, well over fifty percent of the mob. So I think it's reasonably accurate, and uh, and I just watch those histograms build, and as the lead histogram gets over five hundred kilos and starts testing the top of the grid, just count backwards to see where where I'd be if I took a seventy eight a load for a B double seventy eight out. Yep. And as soon as that starts to happen, I've got a I run my business with the assistance of a of a, an agent, but that agent is not a traditional agent who does sale yard work. It does supply chain and alliance work. I share he shares my optiway data. We got there's V double steers getting up towards getting weight penalties to the top end. Get some get get them sold. Truck comes, cattle come in on the truck and gone. As simple as that, and I and I do that while I'm having a cup of tea in the morning at half past five, sitting at the kitchen bench and not driving four hours there and four hours home and and weighing steers all day. Yeah, music to ears, yeah. Um, now there's a million other bits of data that are collected in there, which, um, you know, um, you got two way guys would probably be uh, mortified that I, I only use that simplistic simplistic bit, but that's the key stuff for me. Yeah. I think that's what it is, like ad text there to be used for that operator. Um, and the operators aren't going to all interact with it the same. You mentioned just before you share the data with your stocky, your stock agent. How does he use the information or is it just so that you have both have the information there ready to go? Well, I, I rely 
wholly and solely on on him to act to have his ear to the ground as to where yeah. the market is yeah, okay. um, across across the range of feedlots in southern Queensland, um, so that he knows there will be a load of steers in three weeks or whatever it is. Um, so he um, he does his job, uh, yeah. and I don't question it. He comes back to me, says this is where this is where we go we go with this lot, uh, and that's it. Simple as that. And um, so he, it's not a matter of ring up and say, oh, by the way, I think we need to sell a load of steers next week. Um, it's we we watch that as I said, they watch those histograms grow as they build towards that, wherever you know the penalties kick in in a grid. And fortunately, with um, most of the a lot of the flatback grids, that you do get a bit of a creep over five hundred kilos before you get really hammered. Yeah, and um, so it's, then it's a balance of minimising how many overweights get hammered, and but having the other end of the seventy-eight going on the V-double up as high as possible to get a across the board reasonable weight on the truck there. When you're and, you can, and I and I trust it, Jack. I, people say how 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 accurate is it? We don't test it out to the kilogram, but we've never been we we haven't been caught out with a disaster. It's 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 they've come in pretty much where we've expected it to be. Yeah, looking outside and like looking in from the outside, it's a bit of a head scratcher there, especially when you're dealing with two feet. But we've sort of dealt with that over the last few six episodes about OptiWay and how it's actually working and how that's probably a bit of a barrier that Bill and the team there had for producers to get over. Um, But we've had plenty of examples from those doing probably – I don't know if you own the block, but like adjustment 400 Ks away, we had one example there or the trading steers down to studs, utilizing it for in their stud programs. Um, however you sort of use it, that barrier has broken through as well. Once you get to know what it's about, you've seen it at a field day or something, or your mates, your benchmarking community have seen it and just seen the proof in the pudding. Yeah. And we, and, and, and actually it's, um, Opportunity to talk about this because we're about to, and I've been talking with the Optiway staff about actually having a, a get together to um, to to exchange our experiences and to possibly learn a little bit more about how we might be able to you know, to use a little bit more of the capacity of these units. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. But I think I I, I, don't, I think a, a large number of of the steer traders that I deal with are probably using it pretty much. Um, yep. as a mob as a mob management tool as opposed to an individual animal management tool yep. in a similar fashion to I am and but I mean if people do want to collect collect and you know and analyze individual animal data well you know there's some capacity with an OptiWay, but um it's it's not going to uh, give that across every animal out there in the paddock but um yep. as I said, I'm more than happy to put my hand up and be transparent and say um, I, I don't allocate the time to to be really focused on the individual animals. It's 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 the it's the mob mob approach, yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh a lot of the positions of producers out there not having the time, wanting to simplify what they do. I was gonna ask before though, do you look at the weights and say you book your cattle in, your steers in for two weeks, knowing what the growth rate is at that per day breakdown? Or do you sort of wait for those sheets to come in? They've hit the threshold for you before they get penalised um, for overweight or something like that. 
Is that what you do, or how do you work Look, that? I, I resort to a simple little Excel spreadsheet program, basically, and whack a few numbers in there and go, well, uh, you know, how many days we got at X, at whoever, what yep. they're doing, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.8, or whatever, if it's in the springtime, 1.2, or whatever, to yep. go, uh, you know, to go, right, oh, we really are going to, you know, we better act faster here, uh, and uh, because we're going to, you know, start to get too many penalties and things like that. So I do, I do, I do go a little bit further. Um, with a you know, with a little simple little you know, some Excel calculations or whatever like that, um, you know, and also the other thing I, I yeah, you know, people I guess we also do in our benchmark. You know, we're not we're not benchmarking groups. We're B focused groups. We do do a little bit of data collection and and collect a bit of info about you know some important KPIs. Um, I encourage them all to do their cost of production. So. Knowing your kilograms of beef that that's going on those animals via an optiway system, and knowing what it's costing you to put those those kilos on in a in a in a gross way from a simple cost of production calculation, gives you some really good data to you know simple data to help you sort of you know achieve your KPIs and um, and and your focuses there. Beautiful, and for you and your community of producers looking to do a little bit better and gain some extra beef there. Has ag tech been a smooth journey for yourself and those that you deal with, you think? I think it's been a smoother journey for a lot of the people I deal with because most of my clients are probably half my age. <laughs> so um, I'm, yeah, look, admittedly, it's it, a lot of the ag tech stuff is um, fairly challenging for a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the people who would put their hand up and say they're a beef cattle producer, but I I I, I take a positive approach and go well. We always need to look forward, not look backwards, and um, you know, and 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 it's yeah, and and it's it's choosing. I guess well, it goes back a little bit further, Zach. In a way, I I stress to people that they need to have some clear focuses in their business uh, and know what's driving profit. Yep. That then go what's what's holding back profit or what's going to add to profit here? What are the KPIs? Yeah, and and then build on that. Not start not start with getting a heap of stuff around you, and then going holy hell, what am I going to do with this? That's a great way to get uh, overloaded with ag tech, ag tech stuff. I think that's my personal opinion. It's better to come the other way and go. Okay, I've got this far now. What? Can I might get to add to where I am now and not start at the top with a great mountain of the stuff and then try and sort your way down for it. Yeah. 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 I think it's taking it piece by piece and making sure that it works within your system and that you're actually going to utilize the data. I think there's a bit yes. of data overload there for farmers or they're worried of not being able to read it all. And honestly, we don't have that time to sit down all the time and read 20 different pieces of information. Um, we would love to, to dissect it and have maybe even, I say that each farm, if we're a corporate sort of farming or a corporate business, um, we would actually have a dedicated ag tech officer from yep. like 2023 onwards as farmers, producers, because to analyze, to do all the work, um, if we're not simplifying it, how you are currently, whether you're a one, two or 10 man team, um, the way that we can work with ag tech will all be different on that. But I think that's the way it's sort of moving, isn't it? You need to be on top of what's going on, reading it to get the most out of it. Um, but as you say, you're a simple approach, but you'll probably also build out the use case of what your OptiWay can do and also other ag tech out there, don't you think? Oh, yeah. And and um, 
and I and I and I and I see amongst my 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 client people, you know, looking and using different things and yep. and you know, I, I wasn't going to mention the word carbon, but at the moment uh, we're we're um, we you know I mean we we within the, the groups um, touring with where where how do we start being engaged so that when the train arrives because it's going to arrive is it, um, you know we we're actually you know, had had a put some thought thought into it so we're you know again it's it's trying to sort through you know the calculators to work out your emissions and all that it's it's challenging and and a lot of people are going to say you know i'm just going to put that aside forever and a day uh that that's an example that's current at the moment we, we're trying to sort of think through that and um it's, it's it is challenging put it that way yeah but yeah. again we can't just put our head in the sand and go think it's going to go away because it's not uh, definitely. And I think there's producers out there that, that do both as well. Like there's some that put their head in the sand, want to sort of avoid it until the chopping board comes along and you have to yeah. get on board or get out sort of thing. But I think if we don't have that collection of data, we can't measure and then we can't actually manage off the back of that. And with building each farm is or should be building their own sort of data set, no matter what sort of, sector of the industry you are because if these opportunities come along you say the c word there carbon um and you want to take a hold of it you really need that data to show you off the back of that and maybe the opportunity there for bill and the team um is like a methane capture at the back i don't know when they're when they're taken to the lick and have a little fart counter don't know how <laughs> i haven't talked to you about it but so. <laughs> in a way yeah but that no, so look, I mean, as I said, to summarise that, you know, we talked around about it. You know, the ag tech is yep. is is challenging, I guess, but it's 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 got to be part of a modern business, uh, as does data and you yep. know, and and talking about benchmark, talking about KPIs and things like that, because just hoping things work out, um, I think is um, is high risk. You know, uh, when we look at what's happened to our to the to um, in the last three years, we've been through this most amazing time, and now we're in a correction phase. Um, yeah, we'll live through it, but um, uh, it, it'll be useful. It'll be useful to have a bit of data around you, so that you can sort of look at how how you've gone and what you might have done, not do differently um, in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think there's a fair few operators, just like yourself, Bill, that are operating externally from theirs, and like. When you travel to your steers, your cattle, your enterprise, um, and having that ability to know what's going on without actually being there is so much value within that. So, Bill, what would be your one piece of farms advice that you'd like listeners to take away with similar sort of background to what you're doing um, or even your group of producers? Look, I guess it, I, I thought about this from when I in the preparation for this, and I, and, uh, and, uh, and 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 I guess. The, the the thing that the, the the key little things that I stress to my people are basically is is about having some as I said a few times already about having some simple KPIs um, yeah. and some and understanding your profit drivers, you know, and, and that sounds a lot of um, you know fancy words and whatever, but it's basically pretty simple stuff really. You know, whether you're running a cow calf business or whether you're selling running a food steer business or whether you're running a Wagyu F1 business. Yeah, there's certain things that have got to come together to, to make that work. A to start with, and B be profitable at the end. 
So I think people should step back from what they love doing, which is out fencing or riding a horse around or getting ready for the camp draft at the weekend uh, occasionally and go, really, what am I trying to do? Uh, you know, and that means involving the, the family or whoever else is involved in the business as well to have some clear objectives. Then collect, then collect the bit of data that might help with that decision-making. As I said again, I'm going to go repeat myself. Don't go and get a mess of the data because someone at a field has sold you something that's going to collect all this data and then you have to try to work out what you're going to do with it. Yeah. Uh, and then I think have a, you know, then make your plans based on that and keep them relatively simple. And, and I've looked, you know, for years at the people who I think are, who do a fantastic job you know, and I'm privileged to see some of their financials, not in depth, of course, but some of their financials. And you go, wow, how did these people make this happen? Yeah. You know, and and often it's relatively simple stuff, being timely. Um, you know, as I said a minute ago, surrounding yourself with people who are going to add value to your business, things like that. So if I was a you know write a little, you know, see a later note, you know, I'd, I'd be focusing on a few of those simple little things, yep. you know, and, and to be mindful of the fact that, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm getting old and twisted, but be careful of the great advice you get at the pub on Friday night, enjoy the schooners of beer, but be realistic that some of the advice you're getting could very well be coming with vested interest. Um, so, I love the fact that we get together in our beef groups because, um, you know, I learn a, learn a lot from them uh, in the discussions that we have. Um, and sometimes we, we have them in the afternoon often have a little barbecue and a few beers. Uh, and I'm there thinking, I wish they'd go home some, time, some nights um, because the discussion gets going so well. But that, that's been, that would be the advice that I'd have for you. Yeah. Anything before 6 p.m. at the pub then, all goes guns blazing. Enjoy the schooner. Um, yeah. Well, really appreciate you coming on, sharing your experiences for us young fellows in the industry. <laughs> great, like, great to see that you've taken a hold of our tech and utilised it um, for yourself to give your enterprise some value there. I think there's some very good key learnings out of this episode that people get both for young and old. Oh, look, I've enjoyed talking to you, Jack. I, I hope I don't sound like I'm probably, um, I think... Um, one of your questions was, what What would you, if you weren't doing what I'm doing, what would I be doing? Well, I'm, I'm a slow learner in that department. And, you know, uh, I thought that I probably should be, you know, retired and focused on drinking cafe lattes and reading the Sydney Morning Herald or listening to podcasts. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I've, I haven't got there yet. Yeah. Working man. So, Bill, is there somewhere that people can contact you? Look, Jack, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a... Uh, and not because I think there's anything wrong with being um, very active in social media, but yep. I uh, I stay pretty much under the radar. Yes, I think you've probably got a, an email address for me um, that you might be able to share if you wish to. Um, yep. That that's uh, so. As I said, it's it's a simple a simple business, and um, and and I just um, stay pretty much under the radar. But yep. uh, I um, I love doing it. Well put. I'd love to stay under the radar a bit more than I am currently. But Bill, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Great piece of farms advice there to tailor off with. Thanks, Jack, and I hope someone listens to it for you. Back. This farms advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. 
and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag farmsadvice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmsadvice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today.